Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Man, I'm really glad you're here today. It's exciting to see you all here today. If it's your first time, I'll just say like Jeff, this is not a weird place. This is an awesome place to be. Stick around for a week or two. You'll find that out. There's just a bunch of good people here. Uh, There are some first-time guests here. One in particular I need to tell you a little bit about. Uh, Ambrosia is a guest of ours. This is Erica Scheller's caregiver dog, an adorable Labrador retriever that you're going to want to pet. Please restrain yourself. By the way, I will commend you. I made it through this whole morning without a single hug except for my wife, so thank you for that. Um, Ambrosia, if you want to uh, interact with Ambrosia, she's she's on duty right now. She's actually being the service dog. She's on the clock, so if you go to Erica, you can shake her hand, but don't pet her. She's training still, and so that'll mess all that up. Uh, But for the rest of you, uh, if you want to scratch somebody else's ears that's new here, that's fine. Uh, (laughs) That's okay. This has been a great weekend for our church. Um, Let me just tell you a little bit about what's happened this weekend. We had a a number of you were actually there. We had a great work day over at our Fizey building where we're completing the construction. And like there's a couple dozen people there yesterday working. I think I counted over 50 people have helped with the demolition on phase two. And when you do that, when you come over in any way, whether you're providing food or tearing stuff down or carrying stuff, stuff out to the dumpster, what you're doing is we're saving money. And that's awesome. And that means we can put more money towards other projects. And a bunch of you were also working with Kids Against Hunger this weekend. So we're feeding kids all over the world who are hungry. Another group of our church is not here today because they're celebrating the birthday of uh, one of the pastors who was part of Darden Prairie Church. His wife's turning a certain age that I won't say, but they're celebrating it. I just love to be a part of a church family like this that just can handle all those things in a weekend and do so many good things. I'm so happy that you're here. And there's so much ahead of us. God has so many good things, and if, if you're here, I want you to know that God wanted you to be here, and he's got some great things in store for you if you'll just really sink your roots down deep and participate in what he's doing. I love this church. So let me just, to you, just accept this awesome job, Connection Christian Church. You guys are amazing. So you can clap for yourselves if you want. That's fine. I wish the whole world was like Connection Christian Church. Is it just me, or do you feel like there's a lot of anger and rage and hostility in the world today? I watch the news, I feel like we are just like one accidental bump away from a throwdown fight all the time. Just People are just like on edge all the time. Just kind of like what I saw, even like just the state of the world, Chick-fil-A got into a fight this summer with another restaurant in Mobile, Alabama. It all started because this local Chick-fil-A restaurant started offering a smokehouse barbecue sandwich, and they put it on their marquee. Try our new smokehouse barbecue sandwich, limited time only. Problem being, they're neighbors with another barbecue restaurant. And this restaurant, Moe's, is like, whoa, Chick-fil-A, you do chicken, stay out of our territory. So they put a sign up on their marquee that said, Chick-fil-A, I thought we were friends. And then a little jab, open Sundays. Have you ever, by the way, have you ever gone by a Chick-fil-A and seen somebody on a Sunday yelling at the drive-thru box? I have, twice. It's hilarious. So Mo got their hurt feelings hurt. So then Chick-fil-A responded and they said, come on, Moe's, we're sorry. And then Moe's jabbed back and, and then they said, like, would you do us a favor, Moe's? And Moe said, sure, what? And they said, uh, they said, would you give us your white barbecue sauce recipe? And Moe's fired back, yeah, when pigs fly. So they have this back and forth. Eventually, uh, Chick-fil-A says, Let's apolo- we're going to apologize. On their sign, they said, Moe's, we miss you. Let's be friends again. But it was too late. Moe's put up on their signboard. You could see it. I'm sorry, but I'm with Diamonds now. But it would be my pleasure. Now, here's something you need to know. Diamonds is a gentleman's club that happens to also be next-door neighbor to these two restaurants. 
Then diamonds got into the mix, and they put on our marquee, let her go, Mo. This is, it was friendly. It was all friendly. Somebody on, uh, I think it was Twitter, somebody on social media posted, only in Mobile, Alabama, do you have the Christians, the hippies, and the strippers all getting along with each other. <laughs> Sadly, to me, this was all in good fun, but that's not how the world works, is it? I don't, I don't even dare go on Twitter sometimes because I don't want to see what... It's just like concentrating all the, the negativity and the hostility of the world into one place. But it's everywhere. You know this. There's just so much rancor and hostility in the world. I was driving, oh, I don't know, it's been a while back, and I saw just one of the worst incidences of road rage I've ever seen. Just two guys, just two grown men, angry, and they were cutting each other off, and I'm just, I'm waiting. The the windows are down, they're cussing, they're, maybe Chad, you can tell me what some of these words mean that they were saying later, because it was, it was, wow. And, um, And I was just thinking to myself, Aaron Jackson, Jeff Hosey, would you please get out of the church parking lot before you start treating each other like that? And it wasn't those two. It was down on Highway 94. And I just, I really thought somebody's going to die here. And then I thought to myself, I really did think this. I can't even begin to imagine two men from Connection Christian Church treating each other like that. And here's my, not like we're better than anybody else, but here's what I've learned. We are learning a new way of living that is far superior to anything you will find in the world. Am I right? I'm not saying we're perfect, but we're moving in a direction that moves away from all of that. And so that's what this whole series has been about. This this is us. What we've done over this course of this series is to say, what are the things that are truly important to us at Connection Christian Church? What, what are the things that, when we think about this, it makes our heart beat faster because this is the thing we're really passionate about, we care about. What are those core values that determine what we do and what we don't do? How we treat people in the church, how we treat people in the world, and, uh, and all of that comes together. If you've missed any of these messages, I would strongly encourage you to go back to our church website or to go to iTunes and get the podcast of it because... When you listen to these messages, you're hearing the heartbeat of Connection Christian Church. You're seeing what's important to me and to our elders, our leaders, our ministry team leaders, all of us together. This is who we are, and this is what we do. Now, we're going to be wrapping the message up this week, and uh, I just want you to, to think about this. When we truly live out the core values that we embrace here, people notice. And not only do people notice, we make the world a better place. Not just because of the way we live and the example we set, but the way we treat people is just so strikingly different than anybody has ever experienced anywhere else. Even when we don't get it right, it's better. I'll give you a case in point. A pastor at the time who was in Indianapolis, Jeff Krajewski, had a woman who came to him and said, Jeff, I've been here a few months now at your church. I'd like to schedule an appointment to talk with you. He's like, fine, come on in. Her name was Janet. She came in and to her appointment in the office, and she sat down, and she said, I just want you to know right up front, I pretty much don't agree with anything that this church believes. He's like, whoa, okay. And she said, I don't agree. I don't even know that there's a God. I think the Bible was just some guys wrote it and made it up. And I'm gay. I live with my partner. I'm pretty sure you guys frown upon that. And she just went on. And he finally just said, Janet, look, you've been coming here for a few months. You're welcome to keep coming. We love you. You know, you're, you're always welcome here. But I do have to ask you, I'm a little puzzled. If you don't agree with anything that we hold to and, and you think you're just so different than us, why are you still coming? And she started to tear up. And she looked at him and she said, you know, I've been looking for something my entire life. This is the closest I've ever got to finding it. 
That's why I'm saying we may not be perfect. But when we take this seriously, and when we take Jesus, the one that we follow, or if you are a Christian, the one that you follow seriously, it changes people. And people can't help but be drawn to that kind of a love and that kind of a different way of treating each other that they've never maybe experienced in their life before. So what I want to do is look at what's at stake here and look at and just remind us of what we do as we treat each other in this family. So if you take a Bible and turn to Colossians, we started there last week. We're going to, if you were here last week, we're going to continue looking at the same verses we were looking at before. Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 14. And, uh, you know, I just want to reiterate that you can go back and listen to the last message, but if you didn't hear it, you're, you're not going to be in the dark today. So let's go ahead and read this, and then we're going to dig into it. You may want to keep your Bible open, or if you've got your Bible app to the, the message, you can take some notes. You might want to keep it open, because we're going to stay here today in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Let me read this for us, and then we'll study it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And now over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So let's go ahead and stop there. If you were to go ahead and read the whole third chapter of Colossians, what you find is this is an intensely practical piece of writing for a person who's a Christian or somebody who even aspires to live a Christian kind of lifestyle. It's, it's really saying when you become a follower of Jesus and a Christian and you totally commit to Jesus, your life changes. For one thing, he talks about in the first part of chapter 3, there's some things in your life now that you've got a whole new future ahead of you and since you have a whole new approach to life and a whole new mindset, there's some things in your life that just need to go. They don't belong in your life anymore. You've got to take out the trash. And there's some things, some bad habits and some ways of thinking and some ways of treating people that you just have to put to death. They don't belong in your life anymore. And then you get on down to here to verse 12, what we read here now. There are also some things that you need to put on. Like you go to your closet and you put on a different wardrobe. You you embrace some new thoughts and some new attitudes and some new actions. And, and so what he starts off with is what we looked at last week. He says there's a few things that God has already done for you and you don't have to worry about it. It's done. God did it. It's He chose you. That's God. He calls you holy, and He makes you holy. God is going to help you grow up, so that's all Him. And you're dearly loved. You, there's nothing really you can do to change God's mind about it. He's already made up His mind how He feels about you. He loves you. Now, in light of all that, there's some things that you want to put on. And... Uh, what I want to do is look at these words here. Like he says, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. When you read through these qualities, can I ask you a question? You can say something out. When would you need to embrace these qualities? What kind of situations are you going through in your life where you would be called upon to be humble and gentle and kind and compassionate and forgiving? Let me ask it this way. Are things going well in your life when you need these qualities? Are you eating ice uh, custard at Silky's when you have to show compassion and kindness? Are you getting a massage when you need to show patience? No. You need these things when everything in your life is going wrong and nothing has gone wrong for a long time. You've got a million things to do and enough, not enough time or energy to do it. You've got one le- nerve left and your two-year-old has found it and is stomping all over it. Uh, you've been in a three-hour fight with your spouse and it doesn't show any signs of <laughs> going away anytime soon. And, and how about this one? This is my big hot spot. You're driving down the highway and somebody has decided that that far left lane, the fast lane, is their personal lane to drive five miles an hour under the speed limit. 
Oh man, that just torques me off. That's when you need compassion and kindness. Everyone knows, by the way, that the person who's driving slow in front of you is an idiot, but the person who's riding your bumper is a moron. Like, like this is how that works, right? This, it's times like those when things, like the last thing you want to do is be kind to someone else. That's exactly when these things come into play. Whether we're talking about how we deal with each other here or how we deal with each other when we get in the car and go to lunch or how you're going to deal with your family at Thanksgiving and Christmas or how you deal with the work group that you can't stand but you got put together. These are the times that these things are called upon. Here's how I would say it for us. If we're going to make a commitment to do something, to put on a wardrobe, a new way of living, just... Maybe the commitment would be, I'm committing to you that I will always treat you well, even when things get messy. Especially when things get messy, that's the time that I'm going to pull out the compassion and the kind. Let's look a little bit at what these words mean. Compassion. It's a great word. It literally means you feel something right here. Have you ever felt something right here? Like something or something, someone has something happen to them and you just go, oh, I just feel so bad for you. That's compassion. It literally means you feel it in your guts. Jesus often had compassion for people. It's an amazing word. There was a time when he was teaching, and he'd been teaching all day, and the people hung on every word, and they they didn't even go eat. They missed lunch, and now it's getting time for supper, and Jesus says, you know what? We need to feed these people. And his disciples are like, there's nowhere to get enough food for 5,000 people. Like, we should just let them go so they can go find a food somewhere. And Jesus says, no, you feed them because he had compassion on them. And they're like sheep without a shepherd. There were many times Jesus had compassion on people and you would go like, it's their fault. The things that they are doing is making them suffer. And Jesus, I don't care. I have compassion for them. And I, which leads to kindness. Compassion says, I feel bad for you. Kindness says, I want to help you. And kindness, here's another great thing. You might want to write this down. Kindness is treating somebody better than their behavior deserves. Is there anybody in your life right now that needs to be treated better than their behavior deserves? What happens when you treat somebody in a way that they would never expect based on how they've been acting? It changes things, doesn't it? And Jesus was just the epitome of compassion and kindness. Then Paul goes on. He's the one who wrote this, by the way, in Colossians. Paul says, oh, since you're going ahead and putting on a new set of clothes, you've got compassion and kindness. Why don't you just go ahead and add humility to that? Here's why. Humility says, I'm going to treat you with compassion and kindness, but I'm not going to act like I'm better than you while I'm doing it. I'm not going to put myself on a pedestal and like I'm somehow better than you. I love what, uh, you heard of the comedian Jim Gaffigan, right? Jim Gaffigan talks about McDonald's. He says it's really fun to tell people that you go to McDonald's. It, the look that crosses their face when they realize, oh, I didn't realize I was better than you. But everybody goes to McDonald's, just nobody admits it. I, I go to McDonald's like on Friday, and I'll, I'll text my wife, I'm about to make a really bad choice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that humility is what Paul wrote to a different church in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Jesus was just amazing about this. In fact, back 2,000 years ago, people thought humility was a negative quality, not a positive thing, until Jesus came along, and Jesus elevated that word. And he's like, in whatever room Jesus walked into, he's the most important person in the room, as Andy Stanley points out. And yet, the most important person in the room willingly set aside all of his privileges to serve other people. And he elevated that idea of treating other people as if they're better than you. Compassion and kindness and humility. And and then you go on, and, and Paul says, go ahead and put on gentleness while you're at it, which also seems like a negative word because you talk about being gentle and a lot of people immediately equate that with wimpy. You're a doormat. You let people walk all over you. You're meek. You're, you know, just passive and it's not at all. The word literally means power under control. 
So humility says, I have privilege that I will not use for myself. Gentleness says, I have power that I will not use against you. Because your behavior really demands one of these right now, but I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to restrain my power. And Jesus, again, was great at that. Jesus set aside his rights. He also did not defend himself when people insulted him and when people hurt him and abused him and ultimately killed him. Jesus had more than enough power to take care of business when he was being killed, but he didn't. He showed gentleness in the face of hostility. And one picture I've always had tucked away in my mind. My wife and I still laugh about our first daughter's pediatrician when Alyssa was born. She's, that was like, oh, I can't believe this. is 21 years ago. <laughs> Alyssa was in the nursery. Kirsten and I walked down in the hospital right after she'd been born. And we saw her doctor in there giving Alyssa her first you know, exam. He was an enormous man. Like, tall, huge beard. Looked like he should be wrestling for the WWE, not being a pediatrician. And he had Alyssa, he was right there, he had her in one hand. And it looked like there was enough room for three or four more babies in that hand. He just had her in one hand and he held her up in the air and he looked at her back. And and she was just so content because he was such a gentle man. He could have just gone, but he had gentleness, power under control. Think about what that might be for you to not always power up every time somebody bothers you. It's just a thought. And then you go on and Paul says, put on patience, which just acknowledges the truth. No matter how hard we work at getting along with each other, we're going to get sideways with each other. You're going to get mad at something I did. I'm going to get mad at something you did. Um, We're going to have disagreements at church. If we're living life together like we're supposed to, we're just going to rub each other the wrong way sometimes. That happens. But what do we do with that? Patience is the idea of developing a long fuse. It just takes you longer and longer before you get angry. Before you do something. And you get to the frustration point. And things will get messy, which is why Paul goes on and talks about something else. In verse 13, he says, forgive one another. You see that where it says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive uh, just as the Lord forgave you. Here's the commitment, how I would say it. First of all, I will treat you well even when things get messy. Uh, The next commitment that I would say that we need to make each other in the world is that we'll forgive each other when we fail. Not if we fail, but when we fail each other. Because that's going to happen. And uh, what I found in my life is that when you hold on to things that should be forgiven, it allows the evil one to start developing bitterness in your life. And when bitterness gets a hold of your life, you start to see people in a way that no one else sees them. And it's not because you're more insightful. It's because you're seeing everything through the lens of bitterness. And it just makes you uh, hold a grudge. Let me just ask you to be honest. You don't have to shake your head or any, raise your hand or anything. But is there anybody right now you're upset with? And if you were being honest with yourself, it maybe has gone beyond that. And you are holding a grudge. And you've been hurt. And you're like thinking of ways to, to get them back. The Bible says let that go. Because what I found in my life, and I know that you found this too. There's no potential for a longer term relationship like God wants us to have with each other if we're not willing to forgive all the little things and some of the big things that happen in our lives with each other. It's going to happen. The the question is, what are you going to do with that? Because do you want a marriage that's built on, um, I thought I let it go, but I'm just continuing to kind of hold on to it and I'll get them back later. Do you want to go to Thanksgiving and just continue to hold on to that stuff? Do you want to come to church and there be people that you just don't talk to? Really? The easier way, the better way, maybe not easier, but the better way is to let it go. 
I am surprised, just to be very honest with you, how many Christians I talk to who just do not, they act like this isn't in the Bible. I hope I'm not talking to you, but if you are, I'm challenging you. There are some things that maybe God is calling on you to let go because Christ forgave you. Forgive other people just like Christ forgave you. And you say, well, what if I don't feel like it? You've got to do this. God will help you do it, but you need to do this. <coughs> There's a story I heard, and I, I think it's a true story. I, the person who told me the story told it as if it was a true story. I really hope it is because it's such an awesome story. There was a couple who had been married for 50 years, and they were having their, their 50th anniversary celebration. And there was a young lady who was there who had just gotten married. And she went to the woman who had been married 50 years and said, I just got married. I'm so in awe of what you and your husband have done. Do you have any secrets? What, like, what's, the, what's the one thing I can do that will really help me? And the woman said, oh, I don't know. We just... Well, she said, you know, there was this one thing. When we first got married, my husband used to irritate the crud out of me. <coughs> Excuse me. And I just get so frustrated with him. And I finally realized that I don't want my whole marriage to be like this. So I just took out a piece of paper and I started writing down the things that irritated me about him. And I just said to myself, if he does this, I'm just going to decide right now I'm going to forgive him. It's just on the list. I forgive that. After a while, I just wrote some things down on the list and he'd do something and I'd be like, Good thing that's on the list, and I would let it go. And that girl said, oh, that's amazing. Can I have a copy of that list? And the woman, she just laughed. She said, honey, I lost that list years ago. Anytime my husband did anything that bothered me, I just said, good thing it's on the list, and I let it go. What if we just agreed to do that with each other? Not that it's easy, but with God's help to say, God, you've forgiven me of so much, I can do this for other people. It's on the list. It's done. It's gone. I don't know, maybe you've got somebody you need to talk to or make a phone call after church or a text and just say, I'm letting this go. Now, there's a, another thing that I want to look at as we kind of wrap this up. Paul said, above all else, as you put on this new outfit of, over the whole thing like a coat, you put on love, which binds them all together. Because you think about it, when you have love, which is I'm going to sacrifice on your behalf, it's going to be very easy to have kindness and compassion and mercy and gentleness and patience with somebody. And it's going to be very easy or at least easier to forgive somebody that you said, I'm going to put your well-being ahead of mine. I'm going to forgive you like Christ forgave me. And I'll be really clear here. Jesus, right before he died, said, here's how people will know that you are my followers. If you forgive each other, if you love each other deeply from your heart. That's what I want you to do. Now, I want you to be honest with yourself. Just do a little personal reflection here. Can you say that you embrace these qualities perfectly? I'm going to let you off the hook right now. I can't say that I can. So, um, but I am working toward these. And that's a couple of things I want to encourage you with as we close this out. My first encouragement to you would be simply practice these things. I don't even think you should pray for God to give you opportunities to practice it because life will give you the opportunities, right? Things just happen. Next time you're in one of those situations, just say to yourself, here's a chance for me to practice kindness, to show them some kind of kindness that they don't deserve based on how they're acting. This is my chance to forgive. This is my chance to be humble. And as you do that, you'll practice. My cousin Jeremy's a firefighter. And I was asking Jeremy, hey, like, how much gear do you guys carry when you go out? And he told me he carries, like, anywhere from 55 to 70 pounds of gear between his breathing apparatus and all the tools he has to carry. I'm like, how long does it take you to put that on? Well, he said, I'm actually a trainer. I train other firefighters now. There's my cousin Jeremy there running a 5K in full gear. 
He said, when I train guys, the first guys and ladies, when they come in on our team, it'll often take them up to two minutes to put their gear on, another one to two minutes to put on their breathing apparatus. By the time I'm done training them and they've started going out to actual fires, they can put that stuff on 30 seconds each. Didn't start that way. But over time, as they continued to practice it, and they actually went to fires and everything was on the line, they were able to instinctively do what they first had to really work at. I'm telling you, you may not find it easy to do these things at first, but over time, this will be your first response. I I catch myself and I show kindness when I'd rather just be angry. And here's the other part of this. You're not in this alone. God is helping you. That's the other thing. Cooperate with what God's doing in you. There's a great verse in the Bible in uh, Galatians 5.22. says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It says he produces love. We need that. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. God working in your life will produce these kinds of things. And this is what we need. Listen, I'm telling you, connections here to connect people to God and each other. When we do that, when we embrace what God's doing in us, that we make a commitment to do this, we're going to fill that building easy. Who is it in your life that needs this? That you need to be starting to show this kind of attitude toward? And maybe one thought I would just like you to think about as we go into communion time. Can you believe that God treats you like this? I talk to enough people to realize there's a lot of people who come into church with fear over what God thinks of them, guilt and shame. You need to realize that God will not ask us to treat each other in a way that he doesn't already treat us. God treats you with kindness and compassion and love and gentleness and patience. What does that look like in your life to embrace that and say, I really believe that God does love me?